Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Hi, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to Forgotten Cinema, now showing. Ooh. Something new we're doing. So we're just going to, it's going to be a short one. We're going to do a quick review of a new movie that's out or coming out. Kind of give you our thoughts. We were able to see this movie that we're going to be talking about today ahead of a time. So um, it releases on November 18th on streaming on Amazon, Fandango, and Vimeo On Demand. I'm talking about the documentary Maserati, 100 Years Against All Odds. That's right. Right. So we were approached by Tricos Entertainment, who is responsible for the distribution of Maserati, this movie. I believe, I, I'm not sure if they're, they're, they might have bought it or, or they produced it, but, but they are responsible for putting it out. Mm-hmm. And they asked us if we'd be w- interested in taking a look at it and just kind of like giving our thoughts. And of course, we said, yeah, sure. Uh, we'd like to point out that we are not being paid by Tricos Entertainment to, to talk about this nope. movie. There is nothing coming our way in order for us to give a favorable review. Um, this is just basically our opinion and our thoughts on the movie. And, and if you're, if this is something you're interested in seeing, maybe this can 15 to 20 minute podcast, however long we go, will, uh, will help you determine if you should watch it. That's right. All right. Uh, so Butler, why don't you break down? I mean, I kind of said it was a documentary, but why don't you give a little overview of it and then we'll kind of get into it. All right. Uh, the documentary is obviously you can guess by the title hundred years against all odds. It's about the first hundred years of the Maserati car company. The Maserati car company was established in 1914, so it talks about its place then when the Maserati brothers, Alfieri, Bindo, Carlo, Ettore, and Ernesto started the Maserati car company and started racing uh, Grand Prix cars. It goes through their history from you know World War I and how they kind of stopped for a while, back into starting production on their cars right afterward. The races and the Grand Prix they used to win, all the race cars they used to sell um, to people that were interested. So they would sell private race cars to people who would race them privately, not necessarily part of the Maserati company. All the wins and records that they established, which were quite a few. It also talks about their history of, I don't want to say failures, but when they, kind of the low points in their company's career, um, losing money, squandering money. They kept winning records and making great cars, but the money wasn't always coming in. So it talks about how they were bought by Adolfo Orso and his family in the 40s, and then their withdrawal from racing after uh certain tragedies in the uh, mid fifties and early sixties in racing circuits and how they stopped participating in the racing circuit, but still providing private racing cars for people. Uh, And then all the way through being owned by Citroen, which was a French company in the late sixties and it's kind of experimental phase, I guess you would say (laughs) in the uh, seventies and eighties having to be uh, losing money, having being sold again to Fiat and its history with Fiat and Ferrari after that. So it really spans the whole history of Maserati and goes through their ups and downs and talks about how even though the cars might have been great um, racing vehicles and achieved amazing speed and how race car drivers, and they do interview quite a few um, very famous old school race car drivers, uh, love them, that success on the racetrack isn't necessarily translates into success as a kind of sales company and, and what they did to kind of struggle but always survive. No matter what happened, they kept on going. Right. I think it's fair to point out because you talked about other failures, but I mean, when you're around for a hundred years, you're not going to be, you're not going to be always up. Oh, you know absolutely. I mean? yeah, so yeah. You're going to have to survive or I guess get through the, the low times and every, every company, every company has that. So that's nothing uh, different that Maserati had to face in terms of be, being the company that it is now coming from where it started. Right. It's also, it's intriguing <laughs> that we, 
are doing that this movie's coming out because I I mean I'm gonna bring it up because I know you didn't watch it. I just watched Ford vs Ferrari. I wasn't able to. Thanks, that's, Alex. That's, <laughs> that's the Matt Damon movie uh, and Christian Bale. And we're not here to talk about that movie, but very similarities in terms of in terms of you know Ford basically entered into the racing circuit to try to improve their image to get them to sell more cars. They were because they were just selling you know cars for for you know family guys and family men they, they were kind of the opposite of Maserati, right, right right so it's interesting that like you know maserati still facing the same was facing kind of like the same idea like you know you get into racing car you, you get into racing you win wars but you're trying to translate that into sales into like getting people into like the sex appeal of the car right so just i'm only bringing that other movie up just to kind of like it's it, the similarities between the two, between the two car companies. Now, Good job, Tricos. This is excellent release day. <laughs> uh, I will say this. I am not a car guy. I, I Absolutely not a car guy. I don't really. It's not something that I'm into. I don't really dig it um, in terms of like, you know, like, oh, well, I, I read up on it. Anything like that. I don't know if you are. If you I'm, I'm kind of a car guy. I really like different cars. I go to the New York Auto Show a lot. I enjoy cars for kind of like the sex appeal of a car. Sure. Like, that car is awesome. I like that the speed of a car. I'm really interested in what its top speed is, but I don't know much about, you know, the technical aspect of vehicles. Well, yeah. well uh, my, my father is big on that. My seven year old knows more than this, more than me, because he tells he reads the Chris. He watches Chris Fix videos and stuff like that. You should have had him watch the mother. I, I should. I should have. He actually he saw a recent commercial. He said, can I be on one? I'm like, All right, relax. <laughs> so anyways, so but I wanted to preface by saying, like, if you are into cars, you are into Italian, especially Italian car makers right because um, i if for those who don't know maserati is located in italy uh you know if you are into that i mean this is probably a really good doc for you because it it does as mike as butler pointed out throughout the when his uh, intro of the, mo- of the movie it really is about the history of maserati it almost it plays like that it's not really i would say a dramatic documentary in terms of Kind of like the kid stays in the picture about Robert Evans, who recently passed away. Just kind of like telling this. It doesn't kind of weave a fictional narrative. It just kind of lays it all out here from this is where we're from. This is and this is how we've gone through the, the decades. And it, it's dramatic in terms of like when you're listening and paying attention to it. Right. But there's no really like a lot of times people will mix genres in docs. They'll have a doc, but they'll have like, you know, um, the recreations. Yeah, inside stuff of it. Like yeah that. this is not the recreation. It is which- not. Well, it might have been nice, but I do like the footage when they like do the racetrack footage uh, from the the twenties and thirties, and they transpose that with here's the racetrack today. Sure, and they do the split screen. I thought that was kind of cool. Right. I think that if like, like I said, I think if you're into cars, if you're into especially if you're into international car makers, I mean, mm-hmm. this is definitely a doc you should check out because it does lay out everything that Maserati had to deal with in terms of you know, like you talked about being bought by several companies and, yes. and, and towards they're still owned by Fiat. They're, they're, they're their own now. They are owned by Fiat still, yeah. but they were owned by Fiat, but Fiat had also owned Ferrari and they let Ferrari take over Maserati in terms of like right. their production. But then Ferrari has stepped away. So now Maserati is basically, they're still owned they're, by Fiat, but, but they're, they're their own. Right. Yeah. Right, they're, right. they're no longer being assisted by, well, right. I mean, they might be a little bit, but they're no longer a Ferrari like offshoot now. Correct. They're right. back to being their own thing. Is there anything that jumped out in particular? Like, I know we both had the same thought. Go ahead. Because we both had the same car we enjoyed. <laughs> oh, well, obviously, the, the car that most stood out to me was the Boomerang yeah, from exactly. the 80s. The Boomerang is awesome. The glass bodied. Uh, it's not a full glass body, but it's its main doors were fully it's glass. It's wide. It's, it's really it's wide. wide. Yeah. Um, it almost looks like a DeLorean if you kind of cyberpunked the DeLorean. If you squish, if you pushed it down. Oh, it's flatter. Yeah. Yeah. If sure. you took a DeLorean and pushed it, like, I don't think I could ever fit in any of these cars because I'm six foot four. You could. 
Yeah. You'd be surprised. Yeah. Like my father owns now, like it's always been his dream to have a Corvette. So he's finally gotten a Corvette and you'd be surprised like, when I saw it. I, you know, I'm, I'm short. I'm sure people have seen it from our videos. I'm shorter. Um, <laughs> and even I, when I got up to the Corvette, I was like, I am not going to be comfortable in this thing. But then you sit down and the way it's scooped back, you're not only comfortable, but you don't feel like you're lying down. Gotcha. And it's very impressive how that that works. Going back to the boomerang, they talked a little bit about how the inside dash was all different. And I didn't really get did I really didn't. I wanted to know more. I wanted to see the dashboard, right. which they didn't really show. They showed like the wheel, but they showed the wheel had all these buttons and knobs on it. Everything I, was one piece, which I thought was amazing. Right, yeah. And right. everything was on one dial, which yeah. was cool. So there was definitely some stuff that I wanted to know more of. Again, being somebody who's not, you know, well versed in cars, mm -hmm. I guess maybe that's probably why. Um, but then the doc probably would have the, the, the documentary is only like an hour and a half, which is good. It's a nice it's tight. It's it's quick. Right. But, you, know, you, you don't want a two and a half hour documentary. I can see this being cut down a little bit, like maybe cut some of the racing stuff down. And like ha I can see this on like the History Channel. Oh, this sure. is something like if I was scrolling through and I was bored back when I still had cable and I was like flipping through. If this was on and I saw like the old school racing footage, I'd be like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Well, maybe that's something after it gets because. It's getting a, like I said, it's getting a streaming release on Amazon, Fandango and video Vimeo on demand mm -hmm. starting Monday, the 18th of November, which I'm pretty sure that this is when this episode is coming out. I think so. Yeah. But in uh, when you go to IMDb, it's it's set for January 15th, 2020. So that might be like kind of like the release into theaters. But I wouldn't be surprised if down the road you start seeing it on History Channel or you start seeing some version of it. It's got a lot of interesting yeah. stuff about it. I mean. Other stuff that popped out to me was one of the first times that the company started to have a, a, an issue. I can't remember what year. I think it was sometime in the 40s or 50s. And Italy was very worried about all those people losing jobs because they weren't doing so well as, as a country. Like the, the economy wasn't doing so great. So they actually bailed out Maserati, which I thought was very interesting because that's when they put the other guy in charge, right? They, they yes, convinced they, him they convinced him to, yeah. to get it. But what I thought was interesting was I liked the parallels between that stepping in and then also. Obviously, not too long ago, we had a huge crisis with oh, our automotive industries the and yeah. the government had to step in to help them. They just gave them money. <laughs> well, they gave them a lot of money, like uh, a big bailout. Yep. And that, what I thought was interesting was even back then, Italy did the same thing for their car makers. Sure. So I liked that kind of comparison with like everything just comes back around. Oh, yeah. You know? Sure. Well, you, you got to you, yeah, you have to help the economy along. So. Right. Oh, yeah. No, no doubt. And I also really like when you talk about cars and you talk about their their top speed. I like how a lot of the older cars reach top speeds of like 180. 190 mm -hmm. and then you see in the 60s and 70s it goes down to 150 160 <laughs> oh now it's back up to 180 because of how um once they started adding all the different um environmental stuff to the, the vehicles uh the top speeds all went down yeah and now that they can now that technology has improved the top speeds are finally going back up to what they were you know 60 70 80 years ago sure so i think that's really interesting when an older car has a top speed the same as a newer car mm-hmm Awesome. Yeah. I, so, I mean, do you have anything you want to, what you, that I have not brought up that you want to talk about? I, I, I guess. I think, I mean, I, 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 like I said, like I, much of my notes were just basically like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. Because I don't know a lot about it. So, in that, I mean, yeah, I learned some stuff, which was cool. You know, I didn't understand, not that I'm being negative, I didn't understand opening the dock with the boat. That would have been, I if I had a comment, that would have been my one thing. I just didn't, I didn't see how it fit. I, I get, it was a Maserati boat. I get that. But they never, unless I missed it, they never really talked about them in the boat building business or anything like they that. They talk about the boats, but it's, it's okay. just a, um, maybe I missed that. It's just a, a shorter, it's like maybe five minutes and they talk about boats. Okay. And they talk about, this is the Maserati boat. They started with power race boats and then they go into new technology for competitive sailboats. 
yacht racing and stuff like that. And so that's what that was all about. But I thought when you showed that at the beginning, I thought that was going to take more of a forefront. Like, hey, Maserati's also got boats. And then it ended up not being much. So I would have thought that a beginning where they show the old school races. Yeah. Because that was really what the film was about is is a lot of their racing heritage. I think so a lot boats, of these car, the boats co- confused me. car companies started that way, right? Especially overseas. I think overseas, yeah. But I think I would have liked to have seen more of that than the boat. The boat was a little. I just didn't understand. It was just, a little strange uh, to start off with the boat. I think, although I get the boat and the trident, maybe that's what they were going for. Well, I, I well, they they got that image from the statue, the statue, Neptune, Neptune, right, Neptune, right, right. I just, I think maybe, maybe I wanted more to know. Maybe I wanted to know more about where Maserati, like other things that they were building. They yeah. were creating when they talk about yeah right. we do more than just cars and it's right like, okay right. yeah so then again though you, you I may be asking for a longer documentary yes at that point. Yeah. although you could take some of the race cut down some of the racing and just add but like I would have been interested to see the engine sure they showed the other engines why can't you show the engine of the powerboat I would have been interested to true see their racing boat engine looked like and how how large it must have been huge it must right. be huge I'd like to see that it took a lot about the sex appeal of a car it's Italy man that's all <laughs> all about. <laughs> the shape and the form, <laughs> which is fine. I just thought that was very interesting. But just, in the end, it's all math. <laughs> <laughs> I th- it was very interesting to just kind of hear them talk about, and it's nothing new about uh, talking about a vehicle in terms of it, its sexual prowess or its sexual oh, nature yeah. of, of of what people feel when they are in the car, what people feel when they see the car. I get that. It was interesting to hear that. When I was in college. I can't remember what class it was. It was a class on marketing? I don't remember. But it was a class where we watched this documentary, and it was all about this man who no one really knows his name. I mean, he's got a name, but he's like one of the richest guys ever. And every company pays him to figure out psychological stuff about how they're designing things. And it's always sex or childhood, motherhood, fatherhood, stuff like that, and how it's your design needs to influence like breasts or the butt or the <laughs> back or a baby's bottle or something that reminds you of something like That's safe and stuff like that. Yeah. And he does all the psychological work with these different focus groups and then gives them to artists to create their designs. And I, that's a lot of what goes into making cars, which I find that's very fascinating. Well, you look at any commercial, you see what they're selling, depending upon the car that they have. You know, you, you, you see what they're trying to trying to say with, hey, if you're in this car, you'll be with this person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. As always, you'll say sex sells. Absolutely, <laughs> that'll that'll probably never change. The other thing I think was interesting, which I I really liked, is they show a couple of things where Maserati announces new cars toward the end, and I think one of them looks like the New York Auto Show, and I think I was at that. New ah, York Auto show. were you there? I, I wasn't there for that unveiling, but I think I was there in that because that showroom was like that's the, that's what I went to that year. <laughs> There's other stuff that I thought was interesting, like they. They do mention how they did make engines and stuff for the war effort during World War II, which would have been Mussolini, which I thought was interesting that they even mentioned, although they kind of gloss over of it. Of course they did. Yeah. Because you don't want to really talk about yeah. it. It's like VW doesn't want to talk about it and stuff oh, like that. I get that. I mean, yeah, um, that's tough. But I like that they didn't necessarily just ignore it. They talk about how they had to pause and make do stuff for the war effort. I think everybody on both sides had to do that. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. I mean, that's the you can't, you're a company that's 100 years old. You're. You have two world wars you got through. You mean? Oh yeah, yeah. You have to learn how to adapt and change. And basically, your government's telling you you got to start making these now. I mean, I, I would assume you have government contracts, but also I would assume they're saying cut, cut us a break here. I mean, I also assume when it's Mussolini asking, he's not really asking. Um, exactly. <laughs> this is true. It's probably like okay, yes, I don't want to die. This is true. 
And then obviously I enjoyed all the different race car drivers. I liked that a lot of these race car drivers who drove in the 50s and 40s are telling these different stories about driving the Maseratis. I thought that was kind of cool. Obviously, it's a Maserati documentary, so they're all gushing over their Maseratis. But I thought it was really interesting to hear them talk about stuff. I liked when one of the race car drivers was talking about one of the, um, some kind of South Asian royalty. I can't remember. I didn't write it down, unfortunately. That's bad on me. But I liked that when the race car driver started telling the story about how he's got a car for every girl that he brings with him. Oh, and he always brings a girl and he always has a girl in a car with him. So then he's always got like three or four cars. But I like a lot of the stories about how that's what Maserati used to do before they really made a lot of streetcars was make cars for individuals. So later on, they talk about how the Shah of Persia wanted a car purchased, but the 5000 GT was a prototype, but that's what he wanted. It was the fastest streetcar at the time in 1958. And he wouldn't buy prototypes because he didn't trust them. He didn't feel like they were real cars. So to convince him to buy it, Maserati just made another 5,000 GT and said, hey, look, there's two of them. <laughs> and that was, a, they didn't even lie to him. They just said, hey, look, there's two of them. And that was good enough for him. And then he bought the other G5,000. <laughs> <laughs> um, and well, then that- they took that 5,000 and they put the engine in other cars and they, they'd sell them, which I thought was really interesting, too. They take their race car ideas, slap another body on them, and then, you know. Say okay, this is a streetcar now. Yeah, which was cool. Yeah. Well, they they seem that's uh, there's a certain point in their history where they seem to become a designer car company, right? So yeah, I mean maybe that's a way to kind of keep going. But I mean, you change hands three times and you have three different owners, and you know it's. I think one of the things at the end of the at the end of the doc, I don't remember the CEO they're talking to, right? Mm-hmm. And he talks about how you know. You know, we still survive. We survive. We're still here. We're still going strong. That kind of that kind that's of idea. That's what he's interested in. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, you know, we're still it's been 100 years and everything that's happened, you know, we're still here, which is cool. And it'd be interesting to see what's going to happen in the next 10, 15 years with them, see where they go. If, if you know, how their sales increase and, and you know, their, their car designs. And that'd be interesting to see because racing and, and speed and power has always been their thing, regardless of the design. And it's inter- it'd be interesting to see how they go forward in the new kind of this energy efficient kind of era sure yeah like electric cars and all that are becoming more popular how's the maserati going to adapt to that in terms of power and horsepower and and speed but also still reliability and keeping the energy efficiency that you look for because a lot of these cars when they go over them are not very energy efficient they even talk about the ghibli which had two gas tanks because it couldn't last for like any time at all (laughs) so they complained about how much fuel it sucked up so they just put a second gas tank which couldn't have been safe on one on each end although zero to 60 in 6.8 seconds is pretty good <laughs> Again, I'm not the car guy. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So if uh, anybody is interested in checking this out, you can catch it digitally streaming starting November 18th at, uh, what did I say? Prime? You said Prime. Prime, uh, Fandango, and Vimeo on demand. So if you have any access to those, feel free to jump on there. Uh, if you like what we had to say, or if you're looking, you'd like us to do more of these now showings, please feel free to hit us up at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. we got a contact form right there. You can email us at ForgottenCinemaPod at gmail.com. So, you know, we're always, you know, if you, if, if you want to hear some of our episodes where we talk about our, our other podcasts, our Forgotten Cinema Podcast, for those new to this, uh, is more about older films that people don't talk about that much anymore. Um, not super older. We, we do run the gamut uh, from, you know, maybe like three years ago to 40 years ago. Right now we are in our third season, third season. So, and we, you know, still going strong. So if you're interested in like movies like near dark or collateral, the family man that's yeah, coming man. out. So, you know, that's yeah. Check us out. We're at, like I said, we're at forgotten cinema or you can find us wherever podcasts are available. Spotify, Apple podcast, Stitcher. 
but yeah, but well, uh, actually, I enjoyed this. I think we should do this again for another movie. Absolutely. If yeah, if the, like we said, this is something that came to us. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that we were we've been talking about for a long time. I know we've mentioned it. If you listen to our podcast, we talk about us wanting to do spinoffs for a while. Um, and this is one of the spinoff ideas we have is is Forgotten Seven now showing. So let us know what you guys think. Yeah, because we would like to do more of these. Absolutely. And thanks. Uh, thank you to Tricos Entertainment for reaching out and, uh, you know, giving us the opportunity to check this out ahead of time. Uh, we appreciate it. And um, yeah, absolutely. I'll nice expect things. my uh, Maserati in the driveway uh, <laughs> at some point soon. Uh, I'm not picky. Any kind will be all right. I'm not a car guy either, but I'll take one as well. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So thanks for listening. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema, now showing.